just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. I had a weird situation. Now, I normally record the podcast like in the early morning hours. I'm up till about, I'll say midnight or so, and I might record the podcast between midnight and 1 a.m. or 12.30 and 1.30 a.m. It's a pretty standard practice, and the reason I do it is because the day is gone. We know pretty much what happened that day. My wife's asleep, and I'm just sitting here by myself in my living room slash studio, and I do the podcast. I'm usually up pretty late. Now, the night before, I really had trouble getting to sleep. You know, when you get a bunch of ideas going in your head and you start thinking about things, the last thing you feel is tired. So I'm up all night. I'm really not getting any kind of sleep. I get through the day. My wife and I go do the uh, chores or whatever it is we're going to do that day. And I never really got any sleep. And I could tell I was getting tired toward the end of the day. And um, so I'm sitting in the chair looking at some TikToks or watching TV. My wife goes to bed because she gets up really early. As I've told you, she works for an airline. Her choice, she doesn't need to do it. She wants to do it. She likes to do it. It gets us free airfare, so I'm all in. And she usually leaves about 3 o'clock in the morning. And a lot of times I'm up when she leaves or I wake up when she leaves, talk to her for a little bit, and she's off. Well, today was a little different experience because I sat down in my chair in my my, uh, studio slash uh, living room. I was watching a little TV, a little TikTok whatever I was doing, and I was kind of getting my mind together to do the podcast, as I would normally do after after midnight. Well, apparently I conked out completely. I was out like a light. I fell asleep in my chair, and it's been a long time since I've done something like that, and I just passed out. Apparently my wife got up when she normally gets up. Uh, she was having trouble sleeping, too, uh, so I had her take a melatonin and... Uh, I was worried because that that shit's crazy. I I can't take it because it gives me weird dreams. It just completely knocks me out. And I was worried that, you know, she wouldn't hear the alarm or whatever. And she's always freaked out about that kind of stuff. So I was going to stay up, do the podcast, make sure she's awake when she had to leave. Well, I wake up at about four in the morning, (laughs) passed out in my chair, in my clothes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. My wife didn't wake up, so I run back in the bedroom. She's gone. She got her stuff together. I'm sitting in the chair sleeping. She took off, did what she had to do. I wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, I must have fallen asleep about 10 o'clock in the evening, which means I got six hours of sleep in a chair, in my clothes, but six hours nonetheless. And usually six hours is enough for me, as far as sleep goes, to be fresh and healthy. So now I'm sitting here at about 4.30 in the morning, Central Standard Time, (laughs) and I'm going, I don't need to go back to bed. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm alone. 
I didn't do the podcast at midnight like I normally would do, so fuck it. I'm here. I'm awake. I'm relatively fresh. <laughs> I got me a fresh-squeezed can of Diet Pepsi. I don't drink coffee. Most people my age drink coffee. My folks drink coffee. My grandparents drink coffee. All my siblings drink coffee. My wife drinks coffee. I can't drink coffee. And uh, I remember when I was young, I wanted to try coffee. My grandmother always told me, you can't drink coffee when you're a kid because it'll stunt your growth. Well, I'm the shortest one in the family, and I didn't drink coffee, so a lot of fucking good that did me. Anyhow, we are here. We are at the Rational Boomer Podcast. Weird time. (laughs) Haven't showered. I'm just sitting here in my clothes from yesterday, and I thought, what the hell? This is the one thing I like about radio, that I've loved about radio all of my life. I'm not especially camera-worthy. I'm not the kind of guy that should be in front of the camera. I'm the guy that should be behind the camera. And the nice thing about the radio, when I worked on the radio, I would get to work early in the morning. I could look like a mess. But as long as I sounded normal, everything was cool. So that's kind of the position we're in right now. <laughs> I'm doing this <laughs> doing this podcast at 4.30 in the morning, my time, after having slept in a chair, in my clothes, not having showered. My hair is askew, <laughs> but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. So let's, let's do the fucking podcast. How about it? Anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of important things going on in this country. And, you know, I get up every morning and I see all these tumultuous, historic things happening. And we're kind of like that frog in a boiling pan of water. If you look back even 10 years ago, a lot of what we were seeing would be hard to imagine back then because it's just fucking crazy. But as we go through four years of Donald Trump and all this crazy shit, and now what's going on now, it all seems to be relatively normal or not as crazy as we might have thought about it if, if someone told us about it 10 years ago. I was talking to somebody yesterday. We were talking about the pandemic. COVID and how we had the shutdowns and all that sort of thing. And I tried to imagine that just as COVID was setting in and they were doing a lockdown and such, if someone sat down and told us exactly how long it was going to be and to the extent it would affect this country, how might have we have reacted? I think we would have gone fucking nuts if you told us we're going to shut down the country Uh, People are going to lose their jobs. The economy is going to take a shit and uh, life is going to be changed permanently forever. We might have freaked out a little bit. I mean, when the pandemic started, it was something new to all of us. Most of us, if not all of us, had never experienced anything like that. I mean, we had the 1918 pandemic, the Spanish flu, but none of us were around for that. So we didn't know what that was. We didn't know the possibilities. I mean, they had over 600,000 people dead during the Spanish flu. It took two to three years to get out of it. Well, here we are in 2021, at least two years deep into the pandemic. We have almost 800,000 people dead. We've had lockdowns. People's lives, people's careers, people's relationships have all changed because of the pandemic. (laughs) 
And had we known this going into this pandemic, I think this country, the people in it would have fucking freaked out. But somehow we've been able to get through it. And while it's been troubling and while there are plenty of hassles going on in this country, plenty of bad things going on in this country that we'll talk about in this show, we're seemingly being able to handle it. It just goes to show no matter what happens to us, somehow we find a way to handle it. A lot of people think these times are the worst times ever in this country. But if you really think about it and you're old enough to remember, the 60s were even worse than this. There were all kinds of fucking problems. We had the Vietnam War. Kids getting killed in Vietnam in a war that half the people didn't even think was right. We had four major assassinations in this country in the 60s. JFK, RFK, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. There were civil rights riots and all kinds of problems and people dying. Women's rights. They were fighting for that during the 60s and 70s. The hippies single-handedly helped to end the Vietnam War. You remember all the riots on campuses all over the country? Hippies, they were, you know, they, they preached peace and love. But as a little kid, and I was a little kid when the hippies were around, they scared the shit out of me because they were so weird looking. I don't know. It was kind of like a clown, you know. Clowns are supposed to be fun, but one got close to you. That fucker was nuts because here you got an adult dressed like a clown. That's got to be fucking freaky. And, and for a little kid in the 60s looking at the hippies, we felt the same way. I remember being about seven, eight years old, watching TV, sitting on the couch by myself. My mom came in and I was crying my eyes out. I was scared to death. And she looked at me and said, what, 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 what's the problem? And I just looked at her and I said, Mom, I never want to go to college ever, ever, ever. She says, what? And as she looked at the TV, she saw that I was watching the news and there was the riots that went on at uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison. It was a big one. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of problems. It was about the Vietnam War. But I will give the hippies credit here. They were largely due to the reason why the Vietnam War ultimately ended. Should have never started. We should have never been in it as long as we had. And as I said, 50,000 people died. Americans died in the Vietnam War. That's horrific. That sounds horrible. But speed ahead to 2021. Now we've got a pandemic that have killed 800,000 people. And somehow we're pushing through it. There's always tumultuous times in this country. Every generation has to go through it. And hopefully it makes us tougher and teaches us some lessons. But one of the other things that is a problem in this country, it seems, we've got a lot of people that are fucking stupid. So will they learn the lessons that are being given to us today? I don't fucking know. Honestly, I'm not sure they will. Let's talk about some of the things going on in the news. Of course, we know the state of Mississippi is trying to change abortion laws in their state. And it's pretty simple. Under Roe v. Wade, that law allows women to get an abortion up to the point where she's 25 weeks pregnant. 
Well, we know the state of Texas tried to change around their abortion laws to make that time period now six weeks, which essentially bans abortions because most women don't know they're pregnant until after they're six weeks pregnant. Now, Mississippi is a little different. Their date is 15 weeks. No woman can have an abortion after being 15 weeks uh, pregnant. So they take it to court. Then it's appealed. They take it to court again. Then it's appealed. They take it to court. It's appealed until they appeal it to the Supreme Court. Now, some people think it's just Mississippi wanting to have their way, and this is what they want to do. But this whole process is far more insidious. Their goal isn't to get it down to 15 weeks. Their goal is to undermine, overturn, or gut Roe v. Wade. Now, here's the troubling thing. Roe v. Wade has been settled law for more than 50 years. They even tested it 30 years ago, and it stayed intact. But we know evangelicals and the radical right Republicans have been pretty single-minded in their interests. They don't care what anybody else does, as proved by Donald Trump being president. He can do all the most horrific things in the world, but they'll support him as long as they think he'll help to overturn Roe v. Wade. And that's exactly what he did. By hook or crook, the Republicans were able to get three conservative judges on the Supreme Court. They were also successful in blocking Barack Obama from putting a liberal on the court. For all intents and purposes, the Republicans have bullied their way into the Supreme Court and took over. So now Mississippi is going to the Supreme Court to try to take their case and hopefully win their case. And the reason they're doing it? Not because anything has changed in this world since Roe v. Wade was agreed upon 50 years ago. They simply see an opportunity And that opportunity is they have six conservative Supreme Court justices. And they think, now's the time. We can go in there and take care of this Roe v. Wade and get what we want. But here's the fucking problem. 51% of this country are women. Now, whether you like abortion or not, or whether you support it or not, the one thing you're doing by trying to overturn Roe v. Wade is take away the rights of women to have autonomy over their bodies. That's always been the catching point for me with abortion. Now, when I was a young man, I said, yeah, sure, let's have abortion. Then I had kids and I had a different perspective of it. But there are certain circumstances where abortion is necessary. I don't exactly like the concept of abortion because I love kids. I got two great kids. I got two great grandkids. I can't imagine what life would have been without them. Because maybe I felt a little pressed or it wasn't the right time or I didn't have the money. Somehow you find a way. But as much as I'm unsure about abortion... I'm absolutely sure that it is wrong to take away rights from people, including women people. 
Once you start taking away rights from people, that's just the start. And the evangelical Christians and the far-right radical Republicans are just getting started. Abortion is their key problem, is the one thing that's most important to them, and they want to get them overturned. But these fucking people are despicable. You understand that? Once they accomplish getting Roe v. Wade overturned, don't think they're going to stop there. They are not. They're going to try to overturn civil rights, gun laws, voting rights. They want this world to run the way they think it should. Unfortunately, they aren't the majority in this country. And since we are a democracy, that doesn't make sense. 60% of the people in this country believe Roe v. Wade should stay intact. But this small group wants to fucking change it, so they're shoving it down the throats of America, the Supreme Court, and what have you. Now here's the problem. They are bringing it to the Supreme Court because they believe they have a better chance with six conservative Supreme Court justices. And that's not a good reason. You see, the Supreme Court is not supposed to be partisan. It's supposed to be impartial and go directly by the law, whatever that law may be. And in the case of Roe v. Wade, it is settled law. And you shouldn't be able to have some half-assed lawyers come from some, uh, some small state and try to change this thing. But with six conservative Supreme Court justices, that's a possibility. Now, as of late, when we were going through this Texas situation, a lot of people have been suggesting that the Supreme Court is partisan. And clearly, that appears to be the case. Well, now the Supreme Court justices are a little sensitive about this. Because if everybody thinks that it is a partisan entity, that weakens the Supreme Court, takes away their legitimacy and credibility, and then all of a sudden the Supreme Court isn't so fucking supreme anymore. It's just another bunch of political hacks trying to get their way. And if that happens, we've got a problem. Our Supreme Court isn't worth a shit. Now, when Mississippi and everybody was giving their arguments the other day about this new law in Mississippi, basically what happens, the House of Representatives in the state of Mississippi voted to change this law to 15 weeks uh, as compared to 25 weeks for Roe v. Wade. It gets through the House of Representatives, goes to court, there's an appeal, goes to court, there's an appeal, goes to court, there's appeal. So they're just trying to tra change their law, but in the long run, override or undermine Roe v. Wade. And they think they have a chance because they finally got enough conservatives on their side in the uh, Supreme Court. And apparently the observers that watch these arguments and the responses by the um, Supreme Court are thinking that, in fact, the Supreme Court will okay this law in Mississippi and may ultimately gut or shut down the Roe v. Wade law that's been in there for 50 years. This has a lot of people concerned. The people that are pro-abortion are going to be upset 
And when you're talking about 60% of this country, that is going to wreak some fucking havoc. That is going to cause some problems. The Republicans are all about trying to win in 2022. But when you piss off half the country, literally 60% of the country, by doing something so outrageous at this point in time, that's going to cost you votes. But see, that's how they think. They're very short-sighted. I want what I want now, but they don't look down the road. They don't look and see what could ultimately happen if they do it. All they can see is, I want what I want now. They don't give a fuck what it does to affect the future. I mean, it's like with the House Select Committee and subpoenaing sending subpoenas out to Republicans and them just disregarding it and not showing up. They think, this is good because it helps me now. What they're not thinking about is when the tide is turned, the Republicans are in control and they want to subpoena a Democrat. Well, why would the Democrats fucking even oblige those subpoenas if they're toothless, if they have no power? The Democrats are trying to change that now. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But now we're waiting on a decision from the Supreme Court as to whether this law in Mississippi can continue and if ultimately Roe v. Wade gets overturned. There's a lot of talk going about this. And as much as people think that the conservatives are going to vote for it and overturn Roe v. Wade, they got to be thinking really hard. I mean, these people worked hard to get on the Supreme Court. They lied, cheated, and steal in the case of Kavanaugh and Comey. Um, So are they actually going to do it? I mean, this is what they've been waiting for. We're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. But if they do, there might be some ramifications. The very court that they're sitting on might lose all credibility, and nobody's going to give a fuck about uh, the Supreme Court. As I said, they're already sensitive to it. Wait till this fucking happens. That Supreme Court's going to have a lot of trouble. So it's going to be interesting to see what, in fact, the decision is. Because it's going to wreak havoc either way you go. If they don't overturn Roe v. Wade, all the evangelicals, all the radical right are going to be fucking furious. They've tried all this time, 40 years, to try to change this. And they get a chance, and they don't, they're going to be pissed. But if they overturn Roe v. Wade, there's going to be 60% of this country pissed off. So either way we go, it's going to be problematic. It's going to cause a bit of a mess and a firestorm, maybe, in this country. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Judge Kavanaugh was talking about the things going on in Texas and the way they were going about it, which is essentially the same way Mississippi is doing what they're doing now. After this happens, expect Texas to try to pull the same thing off. And if they do, it's a matter of this process. They don't necessarily expect to overturn Roe v. Wade the first time, but they're going to keep hitting them and keep hitting them and keep hitting them until ultimately the result of overturning Roe v. Wade comes and they get what they want. But Brett Kavanaugh made a very poignant statement. He was thinking ahead. And based on what he said, let me lay this out for you. See what you think. 
Okay, they want to overturn Roe v. Wade, so they pull this bullshit law in Mississippi. They take it to the Supreme Court. They pound on them, and they try to get a little bit closer. Texas does the same thing after Mississippi. And then maybe it's Missouri. Maybe it's Florida. Maybe it's whoever. They think they can game the system, put pressure on the Supreme Court now that they have an advantage, and get what they want. But they aren't thinking about the Democrats. How would the Democrats respond to this? Well, I don't know how they would respond, because sometimes I think they're pussies. But think about this. Consider this possibility. We've been seeing school shootings over and over and over for decades all over this country. It's been tragic. Innocent people have been murdered because of these pointless school shootings. We just had a school shooting in Michigan. Three people were murdered. Now, what if the Democrats in Michigan said, well, if you can do that with Roe v. Wade, maybe this opens up an opportunity for us. We don't like these school shootings. Something's got to be done about the gun laws. What if they're able to pass some really rigid gun laws? I mean, gun laws that would make Republicans, the radical right, and the evangelicals shit their pants. What if they passed a law like that? What would happen? Well, what would happen is it'd go to court. It would get appealed. Go to court again, get appealed, and they keep doing that all the way to the Supreme Court. And what if that when they got to the Supreme Court, they said, all right, motherfuckers, here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep pounding on them state by state until we gut or overturn the Second Amendment. May sound crazy to you, but how is it different than what's going on in Mississippi and Texas? It's not fucking different at all. Is that how we're going to have this country run by these rogue people in each individual state pounding on the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court gets weaker, and it's all based on who's in power in the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court's not supposed to be partisan. But once it is, it's done. Yes, the Republicans are in control in the Supreme Court now, but if this Roe v. Wade thing goes, guess what's going to happen? The Democrats are going to stack the court. It's been a long time since the court's been expanded. We're a bigger country. We have nine justices. What happens when Joe Biden says, you know what, we need 12 justices or we need 15 justices? He's perfectly well within his rights and it's perfectly legal to expand the Supreme Court. Now we get four more justices in there and the Democrats then appoint four new justices. Now it's not six to three, it's seven to six. Then the Democrats get whatever they want. But just because the Democrats get whatever they want, is it any better? It's once again partisan in the Supreme Court. And that's not what the fucking Supreme Court's supposed to be about. So we got a mess churning in the Supreme Court now. And this next decision is going to tell us a lot about what happened. And if the Republicans think they can just do this, get away with it, and not suffer the consequences in the future, well, they're fucking fooling themselves. Because let's be perfectly honest, prior to Donald Trump, the Democrats weren't any better than the Republicans. They'll pull the same games, they'll do the same fucking things in order to win. And all the, all the time, we're fucked. We're the ones getting played with, getting dicked around with, throwing our lives into turmoil and trauma.
This is going to be an interesting decision, and we have to watch for it. And then watch and see what happens after the fact. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's quickly talk about the House Select Committee. Last night, they approved holding former DOJ official Jeffrey Clark in the criminal contempt of Congress charge. The House Select Committee voted on it and agreed, approved to send him to the DOJ. Well, that's not the end of it, because next the whole whole House of Representatives has to vote to refer him to the DOJ. And that will happen because at this point, Democrats have the majority in the House of Representatives. Now, for those of you that don't remember Jeffrey Clark, he is the Deputy Attorney General under Donald Trump, who when all this election fraud, big lie bullshit was going on, he decided to draft a letter that would go to the state of Georgia and ultimately all the other swing states, telling them that there was massive election fraud, even though there wasn't, and that they shouldn't certify the election. What this gentleman was doing was sedition, was illegal, and apparently he had been talking to somebody on an ongoing basis in the White House. Could have been Donald Trump, could have been Mark Meadows, could have been anybody. But they were coordinating with the White House for this low-level deputy attorney general to draft these letters, to send out to the states, to coerce them into not certifying the election. And as we know, it went up the chain of command, it went up to the attorney general himself, uh, Rosen, and he said, fuck no, we're not doing that, because that was the right thing to do. Here we have the DOJ looking to commit a crime. The highest, most important legal entity in this country, and they're going to try to overthrow our government. Well, that's just fucking scary. So anyway, the House Select Committee wants to talk to him, and justifiably so. He was part part and parcel to this whole overthrowing the government bullshit. He was talking to the President of the United States, or at least his office, and he has a lot of information about what went on. And, of course, the House Select Committee is charged with investigating the January 6th insurrection. Well, we know Jeffrey Clark in the beginning said, fuck, no, I'm not testifying. I have executive privilege, which he does not, and has been proven he does not. But he doesn't want to show up. So now the House Select Committee votes to send him over to the DOJ. He's already seen what's going on with Steve Bannon. He doesn't want any part of that. He doesn't have the power or the money. He doesn't want the PR like Steve Bannon has. So he's concerned. So at the last second, he calls up the House Select Committee. He says, okay, okay, okay. I'll come. I'll show up. But I'm going to plead the fifth on everything. What the fuck good does that do? He comes, shows up, so he says he showed up. 
but I'm going to plead the fifth. Well, first and foremost, he already committed a crime. By not showing up in the first place, he's already in contempt of Congress. He should go to the DOJ at that point. But now he wants to show up because he's afraid he's going to be held accountable, but he said, I'm going to plead the fifth. Well, Benny Thompson, the chairman of the House Select Committee, isn't a dumb man, and he's not going to take any bullshit. So here's what's going to happen. Benny said, if you're going to show, you better fucking show Saturday, and you better be ready to talk. Now, people will think he can game the system by pleading the fifth. That gives him absolute immunity from testifying, and he's not accountable after that. That's not true. If he comes and sits down and pleads the fifth and says nothing, well, Benny Thompson can still refer him to the DOJ and probably will. They've already got the select committee voting to approve sending him to the DOJ. All they have to do is send it to the full house and get it passed there. So here's what's going to happen. This fucking clown is going to come in Saturday if he pleads the fifth, if he's still too stupid to understand what's going to happen. Then they're going to send it to the full house, and then they're going to send him to the DOJ, and this piece of shit is going to be charged with criminal contempt of Congress. He's going to be at risk of Uh, two counts of criminal contempt, not supplying documents and not testifying. That has a maximum penalty of two years in jail, one year for each count, and a maximum fine of $200,000, $100,000 for each count. So this guy isn't getting out of anything. He's still trying to delay and bullshit with the game, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work at all. Benny Thompson is not going to put up with this shit. And besides the fact, the House Select Committee has interviewed 250 people already. They probably know everything that this fucking clown is going to tell them. And you know why? Because they've already interviewed Attorney General Rosen. He's told the whole story. He had no problem at all. They just spent four hours with Secretary of State Raffensperger from Georgia about the call Donald Trump made on audio tape trying to overthrow their election. So the guilt is there. It's in the open. They're just looking to verify and validate some of these claims. And that's what this guy could do if he spoke his piece and told the truth. But it doesn't sound like he's going to want to do that. So we'll see how brave and tough he is, this little piece of shit peon clown, when he actually goes to the DOJ and suffers the consequences of being tried and ultimately going to prison. This fucking idiot should go to prison anyway. He already committed two crimes. He committed sedition, and he already committed um, criminal contempt of Congress by not showing up in the first place. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday if he shows up and if he says a fucking thing. I hope they take it to him because this idiot was undermined, lied to by Donald Trump, and he still thinks he's winning. He still thinks it's true that the big lie is, is the, the truth. 
I don't know what you got to do to uh, convince people that it's all a bunch of bullshit, but the Mike Lindells, the Jeffrey Clarks, all these other fucking clowns still talking about the big lie when no proof has been shown. This is going to be an interesting one, and the House Select Committee has to get tough. They've got to send him to jail if that's what he wants, and right now that appears to be exactly what he wants. Well, there's another big court case going on that we're watching very closely. A witness going under the pseudonym of Jane at the Ghislaine Maxwell trial testified that Jeffrey Epstein drove her at 14 years of age to Mar-a-Lago to meet Donald Trump. Now, there is no information that suggests that meeting involved any sexual abuse at all, but consider this, if you will. Here's my question. You have Jeffrey Epstein, a known pedophile, a convicted pedophile, driving alone with a 14-year-old girl. Jeffrey Epstein is a full-grown adult, and he's taking this girl to meet his best buddy, Donald Trump, at Mar-a-Lago. Well, that sounds weird. Somebody once said, where are the parents? And that's a good example. She's, uh, I mean, if I have a 14-year-old girl and Jeffrey Epstein or any fucking adult male wants to take my daughter on a trip to go see some other fucking piece of shit, yeah, I'm going to have a problem with it. I'm not going to let that happen. But these parents did. Now, as I understand it, These parents didn't have a lot of money. In fact, they might have been struggling. There was also some, I believe, some um, problems emotionally with the mom. I don't know if she was manic depressive or whatever she was, but she was somebody that had their own problems emotionally. They need the money. Some rich guy comes along and says, hey, we're going to do all these great things for your daughter. We're going to help her. We're going to set her up in college. We're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to take care of it for you. You never thought you could do this because you didn't have the money, but we're going to give you the money. We're going to give her the money. We're going to take care of this girl. Now, these people have limited intelligence, clearly, and certainly emotionally, they aren't able to handle it. They are struggling financially, so they say, "Um, okay. Go ahead. Now, most of us will say that we would never allow that to happen, and that's probably true. But these parents were in a different situation. Did they make a bad choice? Fucking right they made a bad choice, a horrific choice. You have to question whether they should have have legal custody of any child at that point if they make this kind of choice. But that's what happened. Now, here's the situation that makes it even more interesting. Later on down the road, Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein are co-defendants in a lawsuit from a woman charging those two clowns raped her when she was 13 years old. I mean, there's evidence of this. It was going to go to court. It was too long. This woman's an adult now. And it was too long. It was past the statute of limitations for a criminal court. But she certainly could sue. And this was all going on before the election of 2016. And somehow, 
that lawsuit disappeared and that woman disappeared. Now, the Republicans would have you believe, well, she was just lying. She got scared and she pulled out. Well, that is not what fucking happened. This woman was coerced, threatened, bought out. I don't know what happened, but the lawsuit was legitimate. Then it went away. And this is exactly how Donald Trump does business. He threatens, he bullies, he coerces, he bribes, he does whatever he has to do to get what he wants from whoever he's dealing with. We also know that Donald Trump was kind of like Jeff Epstein's big brother. And Jeff Epstein has made his career out of blackmailing people who are wealthy. He puts them in situations with uh, underage children. Now, don't get me wrong. These people that get involved with underage children are fucking dirtbags and should go to jail. But Jeffrey Epstein's smart. He knows they have money. He has cameras all over his complexes, whether it be on the island or in New York or wherever. And he gets videotape of these people. And then he has videotape of powerful, rich, and famous people with 14-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls. And then he says, I need some money. And that would explain why Jeffrey Epstein has so much money in spite of the fact it doesn't look like he does a fucking thing. He has no education, yet he was teaching a school run by William Barr's father back in the day. This corruption goes so deep in this case. When Jeffrey Epstein was convicted of pedophilia back several years ago, The prosecutor in the case somehow agreed to let him go to work every day and then come back into custody with a pedophile. Then they found a way to get him off really easy. You can see what happens here. You've got Jeffrey Epstein, who has shit on just about everybody and has a lot of money. We have a prosecution in Florida that says, yeah, we'll go easy on you. Well, why would he do that? Maybe Jeff has something on him. Maybe Jeff paid him off. Who the fuck knows? But this is what's troubling. We've got people actively harming our children. The most horrific crime you could commit. And they're getting off easy. Well, he gets arrested again. He goes to jail and he dies. Some question whether he was suicide or a murder. Now, a murder sounds like a crazy uh Conspiracy theory, but when you think of all the rich people, famous and powerful people that he can throw under the bus, well, it's maybe not so crazy. We don't know exactly what happened. We will never know exactly what would happen because that's how rich and powerful people work. So now Ghislaine Maxwell is on the uh, on the on trial and in court, and she's going to have to pay a price. There's no question she's guilty. We've got people coming up one by one showing evidence that she was not only involved in procuring and grooming these girls, but also participating in the illicit sex acts. This woman is going to go to jail, and she had a lot of names and numbers, and we're starting to hear more and more of them come to light. 
And when they finally all come to light, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of shit show happens. Will the courts follow up on these other people that ended up being on this pedophile island? Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Bill Gates. You see, I don't really care who went to Jeffrey Epstein's island. They could be Democrats, they could be Republicans, they could be my favorite rock star or my favorite movie star. I don't give a fuck. If they went down there to abuse children, underage children, they should be hung by their fucking feet and crucified. I don't give a fuck who it is. I've said this before, and I think my brother agrees with me. If someone came to me and showed me proof that my brother, who I'm probably closer to anybody in my life, other than my wife and my kids, and they somehow proved to me that he was a pedophile or whatever, I'd be fucking done. I'd just soon see him executed too, because that act is so horrific. And I'll tell you this, he would say the same thing about me. Now, fortunately, that's not the case. Neither one of us are dirtballs like that. But it just goes to show I don't care if they're fucking Democrats, if it's Bill Clinton or it's Donald Trump or whoever the fuck it is. There's a lot of names on this list. They went to that island. They would like you to believe that, oh, we didn't know Jeffrey was like that. We just thought he was a good guy and he gave us money and helped our campaigns and stuff. Well, look, you knew he was a convicted pedophile because that was public record. You knew that when you went down to the island or to his New York mansion or wherever, there were all these underage girls running around. You knew what the fuck was up. You just wanted to benefit. Whether you're interested in underage children or you're just there for the financial benefits, you are just as fucking accountable for what happened in those places. I mean, we've got the pilot for Jeffrey Epstein for 28 years telling us names of people that were on the plane who went down to the island. That's pretty good evidence. This uh, pilot doesn't have an axe to grind. If he says he saw Bill Clinton and Donald Trump on the plane going to the island, well, that's probably fucking true. Because if you look at the flight log, their fucking names are there too. There needs to be some kind of explanation as to why Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and some of these other stars and important people went to this island. An island we know was fraught with pedophilia. These people think they're rich and famous so they can get away with it and don't have to say anything. Sorry, motherfuckers. If this court case goes the way it's supposed to go, we need to convict Ghislaine Maxwell, and we need to follow up with these other motherfuckers because pedophilia is something that's rampant in this country, and all too often they get away with it. They destroy children's lives forever, and they get a slap on the wrist, or they get shamed. No, this should be a capital crime. They've done some serious damage, and if any of these stars and powerful people were involved, they need to be exposed for who they are. And we'll hopefully see that to be the case as this goes on. This court case is only three days old and already we've seen some amazing information come out. It's likely to get worse before it gets better for these rich and famous and powerful people. So we need to watch it closely and we need to follow up once this is done. 
Ghislaine Maxwell isn't the end of the line. She isn't the only one that's guilty. And everybody that is guilty needs to be accountable for it. I don't care who you are or how powerful you are or what party you happen to be in. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about, you'll remember back when Donald Trump was president during the COVID shit. We know that uh, Donald Trump was talking against the vaccination, but this was before the vaccination. He had a lot of problems with the mask. He wouldn't wear the mask. At one point, he was tested and found positive for COVID. We know about that. We know he got COVID and did whatever the fuck he did. But what we didn't know, and now we do know, because of a book by, of all people, Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff of Donald Trump, the guy who's trying to get out of testifying at the select committee, he wrote a fucking book called Chief of Chiefs because he was the chief of staff under the chief Donald Trump. And he says Donald Trump had COVID. He was tested positive for COVID, but he didn't do a fucking thing. He still went to get-togethers, parties in the Rose Garden, uh, campaign events. And he's walking around as if he doesn't have COVID, and he's exposing everybody he walks into to that virus. It even got to the point where he was going to do a debate with Joe Biden. Now, anybody who was going into that debate, especially Joe Biden and Donald Trump, were required to take a COVID test. But he'd already taken a COVID test. He knew he was positive. So when he got to the debate, he says, oh, we don't have time to do the COVID test. I'm not going to do it. We were fine yesterday. We're not going to take it. He was lying all the way. And for whatever reason, the people handling the debate, the Republicans, the Democrats, I don't know who. I don't give a fuck who. But they allowed him to show up at that debate without taking a COVID test, even though Joe Biden did, and do the debate. Now, both these men are in their 70s. They are particularly at risk when it comes to COVID. But Donald Trump refused to tell anybody that he had COVID, and he did this fucking show. Now, if you look at Donald Trump in that debate, he looks like shit. He's sweating like a pig. He's not talking very clearly. And he looks sick. Why nobody else recognized that when it was happening, I don't know. I mean, all the Republicans on his side knew he had COVID. Nobody said a fucking word. This is how these people do business. They only care about themselves. He didn't want to cancel the debate or any other events that he was involved in because he thought it beneficial to himself. He didn't give two fucks whether or not he exposed other people to COVID. And guess what? Other people did get COVID from him. One person particularly, Chris Christie. You know, Chris Christie, that Trump ass kicker, ass kisser, I should say. And now he's trying to separate himself. But through those meetings and those events and the debate, Chris Christie got COVID. Where did he get COVID from? Well, he was on a plane with Donald fucking Trump going to the debate. Now, Chris Christie, not a young man. He's not incredibly old, but he's not a young man. He's very heavy. So he's somebody that might be immune compromised. He got COVID. He ended up in the hospital with COVID. And why? 
because he was hanging around Donald Trump. Multiple people got COVID after having seen Donald Trump. Short time afterwards, people got COVID. Donald Trump didn't give two fucks if you got COVID. He just wanted the benefit he was trying to reap. And that's the kind of people we're dealing with, with Donald Trump, his administration, his fucking family, the entire Republican Party. They only want what they want. They don't give a fuck about you. And until these trump and this base and these people that believe in them understand that, we're going to continue to have to fuck around with this thing and give them a certain amount of power that this base and this small group of people do. It goes all the way up to what we were talking about with the Mississippi and the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade. All these people are buying the bullshit. They keep sending them money. They listen to everything he says, and no matter how many times he's found to be lying or cheating or stealing from them, they still follow him. Well, now you know how he feels about you. He doesn't care if he puts you at risk makes you sick, maybe even cause you to die. Doesn't fucking care. It's all about him and all about what he can gain. And uh, we find this out now from a book from Mark Meadows, who was his chief of staff. How I fucking ironic is that? That's fucking crazy. I can't believe it. We are in frustrating times. We have way too many people believing flat-out lies. And even when they're proven to be lies, they continue to believe it. This country has far more and far too many stupid people in it. That is troubling. With that many stupid people, can we ever get well? Can we ever get back to normal? Well, I think we can. But it's going to take a stronger effort from the Democrats and we normal people that are tired of the bullshit. We've got to start pressing harder being tougher, and forcing the issue by our elections, by our media. We've got a long way to go to fix some things after Donald Trump and his administration fucked this country to the core. And we got to start now. Joe Biden's doing the best he can, but I think he could be a little stronger, a little harder. And hopefully he'll find that out before it's too late. All right, let's wrap things up. That's going to do it for another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time to listen. I'll have another one for you tomorrow. Maybe I won't fall asleep at 10, and maybe I'll do it at my normal time. But I'm 61. Who the fuck knows with an old guy like me? I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.